1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Graybar Sports Open Those men swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data needs. Here we go. Right now. Matt Pauly on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
0: All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go.
2: A good Monday evening to you. Welcome into another Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. have you till 8 o'clock this evening. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Again, that's how you call, that's how you text, or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, that's where you tweet at me. We happen to be uh, broadcasting live on Twitter today as well. So if you want to see a video portion, and Facebook for that matter, Twitter and Facebook or x And Facebook, as the uh, cool kids call it now. Uh, We have that uh, going for us. So hello to everybody who is uh, watching us, watching radio on a video screen, as we do so often now, and most people do so often in the world of radio. Um, We got a lot to get to. This is a busy program tonight. Corey Miller from Channel 5 is going to join us in about 10 minutes. We'll talk uh, Mizzou football, a little Mizzou basketball as well with him, and uh, a few other things. To me, I think the most interesting sports story of the day is what happened in Miami with general manager Kim Ng leaving the Marlins and some of the details that have been reported since are disturbing. And not disturbing in like an assault kind of way or anything, but disturbing in a we do business in a really bad kind of way, if that makes any sense whatsoever. The Miami Marlins should be thoroughly embarrassed right now that the first female head of – Basically, the highest-ranking female sports executive uh, in North America who was doing a fantastic job, felt the need to leave the team because you wanted to go put somebody above her. It's ridiculous. And just based off, you know, I always try to leave open the possibility of more details coming out, but as it sits right now, the Marlins look really, really bad And I think when we talk about the way that the Marlins go about their business operation, which that's what this is connected to, in many ways the Cardinals are very connected to them because they share a spring training complex. And when a spring training complex is being delayed a lot more than we expected it to be delayed. There has to be buy-in from both organizations. So in many ways, the Cardinals are connected to the Marlins. So I think there is a Cardinals connection to what's going on here just as we read what's going on uh, with the Marlins and why a person who did a really good job, it doesn't really matter if she's a, a, a man or a woman, she just did a fantastic job constructing a roster and helping that team get to the postseason for the first time in a full season, in a 162-game season, in quite some time. So I want to touch on that coming up uh, later on this hour. And then next hour, we're jam-packed. Uh, We are going to have uh, our weekly. We're going to hear from uh, Patrick Mahomes. He does a uh, weekly uh, interview with folks in uh, Kansas City, and uh, we replay that for you. So we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes uh, here on your home for the Chiefs. Uh, We'll do that a little bit after seven o'clock. Patrick Creighton who is uh, based in Houston, we'll talk Astros with him. By that time, this current game that's going on right now that has gotten very, very interesting will be over, and we'll talk with our uh, with our guy Scott Warman from Bally Sports Midwest and from the Missouri Valley Conference and from sometimes KMOX. We'll talk with him uh, at about 7.35. So we've got a lot to get to uh, in the 7 o'clock hour. Just getting you up to date, though, on what's going on uh, in this baseball game, the Astros have pulled within one. It is now a 5-4 game, two outs in the bottom of the eighth inning. Araldis Chapman just gave up a home run. And that made it 5-4. It went from 5-3 to 5-4. The Astros were, uh, the I should say, the Rangers were up 5-1. And the Astros have slowly got their way back into this game. So the Rangers have four more outs that they need to record while protecting a one-run lead. And we'll keep you updated on that as we go along. If, big if, because the Astros are a really good team and they can score a lot of runs and They've got some momentum right now. The Rangers have not scored four of their five runs that they scored were in the first inning, and they've not scored a run since the third. Uh, But uh, if the Rangers do end up winning this game, that's going to go a really long way towards them winning this series because then they would take a 2-0 series lead back to Arlington. These first two games are being played in Houston. I I thought the Rangers were going to win this series. I, I wasn't real sure on it. My confidence level was not very high on it. Uh, It was kind of a a hesitant choice of saying that the Rangers were going to win this series. And I would say it'd be a pretty large surprise if the Rangers do go in and win both of these first two games in Houston. It feels like if you're not an Astros fan, you're rooting for the Rangers in this series. Uh, By the way, Jordan Montgomery, what he did yesterday, fantastic, spectacular. He is making himself so much money with what he's doing in the postseason, I would love for somebody who's smarter than me, and that's a lot of people, I would love for somebody who is smarter than me to put together some type of metric based off playoff performances and how much money players can make just by their performance in the postseason. You know, your 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 regular season is still what your regular season was, and you're still going to get paid largely based off who you are over the course of a 162-game regular season. But when Jordan Montgomery goes and does what he has done so far in the postseason, especially if the Rangers keep playing, especially if the Rangers get into the World Series, really especially if the Rangers were to win the World Series, just how much money has Jordan Montgomery made himself this offseason? I, I don't think I'm... I can be a prisoner of the moment. We we can all be a prisoner of the moment. I don't think I am being a prisoner of the moment when I say that if he continues this kind of run in the postseason, we are going to be talking about him in the same vein that we're talking about the other upper echelon pitchers that are going to be available via free agency. Maybe Blake Snell is the guy who kind of separates himself out from the others, but when you do get to Aaron Nola and you get to Sonny Gray, I think we're going to be talking about Jordan Montgomery, and if the, if the base price for those guys are you know $30 million annual average contracts, that might be what Montgomery has coming his way. I think he has made himself, he already had a very good season, don't get me wrong, he was going to get paid and paid in a big way this offseason, whether he was in the playoffs or not, whether he performed in the playoffs or not. But what he has done so far in the playoffs, he has probably made that much more money. So we got a lot to get to. Again, as always, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can also uh, tweet at me, at Matt Polly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Up next, we are set to be joined by uh, Corey Miller, Channel 5. We'll talk to him about uh, Mizzou Athletics and a few other things as well. That's next as we roll on with the Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: Graymar Sports Open Line rolling on here on a Monday night on KMOX. We're very happy to be able to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line. Welcome in our uh, good friend. You see him on Channel 5 working as a reporter and an anchor. He is Corey Miller. You follow him on Twitter at Corey underscore Miller 5. Corey, I always appreciate you taking some time with us. How are you? I am good, Matt. I was wondering if you're
3: going to play me in with the Seinfeld theme again. I was very happy to hear it.
2: Yeah, so uh, we went to break and I looked at sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski and I said, don't forget the Seinfeld theme. So we were all over it. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Uh, let's uh, let's start by talking a little Missouri football. That was a win uh, against Kentucky that it feels like I, – I was thinking about this. When was the last time Missouri had a team that would have won that game? And it's it's been a long time. It really felt like that was a step forward.
3: Oh, gosh. Probably a decade ago, that 13 or, or 14 team under Gary Pinkle uh, probably could have done something like that. But I tweeted right after it was over. That's the kind of game that Missouri teams have – just rolled over and found a way to lose. And this team dug deep, battled back. They were not going to lose that game. Very, very impressive. You had to get one or two, LSU or Kentucky, I think, out of this little pair. And they got one of them, so they still got a chance in a special season.
2: It's Sports can be – I'm a big believer in that we get to these these kind of – Uh, crossroads moments of seasons where things can go really good or go really bad. And they should have beat LSU. They didn't. That happens over the course of a season. And then they go Kentucky, South Carolina. And after that, they've got Georgia and Tennessee. And Georgia and Tennessee are both very losable games. So if you lose that game against Kentucky, then all of a sudden you're looking at there's a legit possibility of losing – four of five, or maybe five in a row, but you get this win against Kentucky. You've got a home game now coming up uh, against South Carolina. I mean, I I know it's just one game, but in so many ways, it feels like it's bigger than one game.
3: Oh, definitely. Kentucky's someone, I mean, you think basketball always Kentucky, but the last couple of years, Mark Stoops built a great program and Mizzou just can't beat them, especially there. They hadn't beat Kentucky in Lexington since 2013. I was just talking about one of the last teams that maybe could have pulled something like this off. So it felt big because it was big, and it sets up the rest of your schedule, and you're looking ahead. You are trying not to look too far ahead, but it's human nature. So you're thinking maybe you get South Carolina, hopefully. You should hopefully get Florida. You should get Arkansas. And then, heck, who knows, Uh, You give Georgia a run for the money if you can give LSU a run for their money. And Georgia's without their best player now for a couple weeks in Brock Bauer. So the sky's the limit. Missouri fans are feeling good right now. They
2: get the win, basically, with very little contribution from Luther Burden, and that I, I felt like that was key as well. You don't want that to happen, but they proved that they've got enough other things that they can do that he doesn't have to have a dominating performance to beat a good team on the road.
3: That's a, a great point. Two catches, 15 yards, I think, Luther Burden had the whole game, and when those, that's his stat line and you still see a W next to it, you got to feel great, and... Freddie Cook didn't even have his best game. He gutted it out, he's a winner, he's gonna do what the team needs to to get a W out of it. But none of the guys really had their best game and they still managed to to pull it out. I mean that fake punt is what everybody's still talking about. And that if this season does end up being special, I think we're gonna come back to that as kind of the crux of of the whole thing. Luke Bauer, the dismet kid, stepping up, throwing a bomb on on fourth down when you're down fourteen and nothing. Just an unbelievable moment. Actually, Frank Cusimano was going to have a story with, with him and his family tonight on Channel 5 that I know Mizzou fans would love to see. So, uh, Just a, a great win. And uh, Luke Bauer, 1-for-1, one one, 39 yards, 100 uh, QB rating. I, I think he should be getting some votes. What do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, if, if he does that, what, uh, 30 times a game for the rest of the season? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the cliche is fortune favors the bold, though, and I feel like when, going back to what I said a moment ago about being a crossroads moment, if you're going to come up with the win in that situation, you have to be willing to take some gambles. And you know what? If, if they go the wrong way, you were in a position where you were maybe going to lose the game anyways, but if they come through, then all of a sudden you put yourself in position to win.
3: That's kind of what Coach Drinkwood said after the game, 14 nothing on the road in that environment. You have to do something to spark the team, and if it doesn't work, you know what? It already was kind of looking like it wasn't being good night anyways. And if it does, well, you just turn the whole thing around. And uh, thank goodness it worked out. And uh, Drinkwitz and Kirby Moore have been uh, really killing it with the uh, the play calling this year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, college basketball, Mizzou basketball. The AP preseason top twenty five is out. Missouri is receiving votes, but they're they're outside of the top twenty-five. They're I think they're about ten deep into uh, the receiving votes. Is there anything more useless in the world of athletics now than the preseason college basketball poll, where everybody's re-de- redesigning their team with transfers every season that nobody actually realizes who's good and who isn't good going in the season?
3: Oh, definitely. And a couple of years ago, if Mizzou was coming off a season like they just had and they weren't ranked in the top twenty-five. People would be all sorts of mad, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's still some people who are. But with Dennis Gates, I think the fan base has kind of adopted his cool demeanor. Just play it cool. He knows what he's doing. He's got the guys. He's got even more coming with the number one recruiting class in 24. We don't need to be ranked or anything. Everything's going to work out just fine. So, yeah, it's a useless preseason exercise, but uh, the Dennis Gates faith is very, very strong.
2: It's it's remarkable, isn't it? And I, I mean, we, we could have the exact same conversation when the season ended last year, but everything he's done from a recruiting standpoint, I always like, in the world of college athletics, there's so much like sleaziness out there. You don't see genuine people. And... If Gates isn't genuine, then he's really, really good at faking it. It feels like he loves these kids, and uh, that, as much as anything, is important about this the, the recruiting and the relationships he's creating, and that this is going to be a program, as long as he is in Columbia, that's going to be kind of a, a relationship-based recruiting slash winning.
3: Oh, you hit the nail on the head right there. A sincere, genuine, consistent. I mean, he's even consistent down to the fact that he wears the same exact suit and tie for every single game. I, he's, he's worn that tie-out. We'll see if he has a different one this year. But the players know what they're going to get every single day from this guy, and he genuinely cares about him. He says he tells them that every single day. He's meant, made mention multiple times in post-game press conferences how he's going to be sitting uh, in, this, in the crowd at their all these players' weddings in the future. So uh, it, it starts from a place of being sincere and, and showing that he cares about them and the wins will come. And, they came faster than anybody thought they would.
2: All right, before we get you out of here, uh, outside of your absolute disdain for the Houston Astros jerseys, which we can talk about in a moment, <laughs> uh, anything really strike you about what's been going on so far in the baseball playoffs?
3: Uh, you know, the Phillies are just so exciting, and uh, that's that's the must-see team, I think, right now. Uh, Bryce Harper is is every single at-bat. you got to make sure you get to your TV to watch what he's going to do. Nick Castellanos even right now, too. I wish we had a little bit more uh, parody and some some back and forth series so far. Uh, everything's been pretty much a sleeper, just a one gamer uh, in between there. So I'd like to see a little bit more back and forth. But I think I speak for the collective America, other than the city of Houston, we do not need to see the Astros in the World Series again. So. Thanks. Let's go,
2: Rangers. The Astros are down right now 5-4, top of the ninth, uh, two outs, so three more outs to go that the Rangers need to get uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning if they're going to hold on and take uh, a 2-0 series lead. Always like to apply things to the Cardinals. Is there anything? You know, the Rangers are a team that lost a lot of games last year. And now they're uh, now they're winning a lot of games, and and it looks like uh, they could very likely be in the World Series. the The Diamondbacks are a team that didn't have an especially good season. And here they are in the NLCS. Is there anything that the Cardinals can learn from the performances of these playoff teams?
3: Well, gosh, for, if you're the Rangers, for sure, be aggressive uh, this off season. Yeah, they got a lot of big name guys on that roster, and. Even one, their biggest name guy, Jacob DeGrom, is not even contributing because he's hurt. But they were aggressive in the offseason, the last couple offseasons with Seeger and Simeon already there. And uh, they were aggressive at the trade deadline and got the Cardinals' best pitcher, uh, Jordan Montgomery. So be aggressive for sure is what you can take away from the Rangers. What I take away from the Arizona Diamondbacks is that baseball is weird, and that's a lot of fun sometimes. And <laughs> if you get in, who knows what could happen. Uh, so I think everybody's loving the D-back story, but – man, these Phillies are on a roll. I think this might be the end of the line for Arizona.
2: It's, uh, it's really odd because anything can happen in the ba- baseball playoffs and you can lose on a fluke and it can be lucky or unlucky, Um, and th- that happens every year, but at the same time, you want to build a roster that is most built for the postseason. And just looking at the NLCS, you have one example in the Phillies who absolutely are built for the postseason, and you have an example in the Diamondbacks who are kind of a little bit lucky. and. I, it it creates a situation where, like, if you're the Cardinals and you haven't had a lot of postseason success, you can say, well, you know what, they've been unlucky a bunch of times, and that can be legitimate. Or you can say, well, you know what, they haven't gone and constructed a roster that's good enough for the postseason, and that can be correct, too. It's it's very hard to kind of uh, dig through the reality of it.
3: Yeah, you can uh, use whatever kind of logic you want to you make your point. Uh, you're right there. But I'll tell you what, the Cardinals, for the last couple of years, I thought they did enough to just get in, and uh, they would probably never tell you that straight out, but just from looking at the moves from the outside, that's what it looks like they were shooting for. That hasn't been good enough, and this year it really backfired. So it's going to take a major commitment, a major investment, uh, to make sure you're not just a team that gets in, to make sure you're a team that gets in and can actually make some noise.
2: He is Corey Miller. You see him on Channel 5 as a reporter and an anchor. You follow him on Twitter at Corey underscore Miller. Five, Corey, we always appreciate you taking time with us. We'll catch up with you again real soon.
3: Thanks for having me
2: on, Matt. All right, you bet. There's Corey Miller from Channel 5 joining us. And yeah, we uh, appreciate him taking a moment or so with us. We'll take a break when we come back. I'm going to dig a little deeper on this Kimming situation in Miami and what it means uh, for the Marlins, why I think that's an organization that should be embarrassed today. We'll get into that coming up in just a moment. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open line on KMOX. <laughs>
1: It's the Graybar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: Back at it here on KMOX. It is the Graybar o Sports Open Line as we take you till 8 o'clock this evening. Next hour, we'll talk with uh, Patrick Creighton at 720. He's a Houston-based uh, sports host for uh, ESPN Houston. We'll get his thoughts on the Astros. He's also a big Astros fan, so he'll either be in a very good move mood, excuse me, or a very bad mood, depending on what happens over the next two outs. Right now, one out, bottom of the ninth. Rangers are holding on to a 5-4 lead, and if the Rangers win, they will have a 2-0 series lead on Houston. So we'll see how things go here uh, over the next uh, few moments. And then uh, Scott Warman will be on with us at uh, 735. We'll talk blues hockey and also uh, Missouri Valley Conference uh, basketball with him as the uh, MVC is going to be getting started here before we know it. Uh, To me, I think the most interesting sports story today nationally is what has happened in Miami with Kimming. And Kimming became the first female general manager in the history of Major League Baseball. Now, I say that because it is part of the story, but her gender really isn't a part of the story. Her gender became a secondary topic once she clearly did her job well which she did. She constructed a Marlins team playing. In, now, admittedly, the NL East wasn't quite as good as we thought it was going to be because we thought the Mets were just going to be a juggernaut this year and the Mets weren't very good. But that NL East, still two very good teams at the top of the division with the Braves and the Phillies, and the Marlins were able to still find a way to get a postseason berth. And first time in quite some time that – uh, the Marlins had made it into the postseason during a full 162-game year. So, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, the Miami Marlins wanted to hire someone to come in and serve as the president of baseball operations. Now, this is where I have to take a step back, and we have this conversation all the time, and there there seems to be somewhat of a... um. A misunderstanding sometimes when it comes to titles because the president of baseball operations title, so that's the title that John Moselak holds, historically, that's a general manager. So, really, we need to start focusing more on what the responsibilities of the title are or responsibilities of the job are and not what the title of the job is. So, in the last, you know, probably less than 10 years, uh, teams, it's not just a baseball thing, it happens in other sports as well, teams have created this new uh, like, level of hierarchy where you have the president of operations. And essentially, the president of baseball operations today for teams that do have them, and by the way, Rangers did just beat the Astros 5-4, they have a 2-0 series lead. The president of baseball operations is what the general manager used to be. What you need to evaluate these people on is whether or not they have final decision making power when it comes to the baseball operation. So, for some teams that employ a president of baseball operations, that is the person who has the final baseball making decision. In St. Louis, John Moselock has the final, his, pe- his voice carries the most in terms of the baseball operation in decisions that they're going to make. In Miami, they didn't have a president of baseball operations. So, Kim Ng had the final Decision-making power on baseball decisions. So even though Kiming was a general manager and John Mozeliak was a president of baseball operations, essentially they had the same job. They just had different titles, and that's where. I, and I know a lot of people listening to this are going, "Yeah, Matt, I know. We, we know how it works," and you do. I get it. But there's a lot of people who don't. I, I hear it all the time. There's a lot of people who don't understand how it works. That it's not so much based off the title, but it's based off the responsibilities of the job. So Kim Ng just did a fantastic job putting together a playoff team for the Miami Marlins, of course, managed by uh, Skip Schumacher. And the season gets over, and she's got an option on her contract for next year, a mutual option. The Marlins reportedly picked up the mutual option. The Marlins also reportedly offered her a contract extension. However, the Jeff Passan report says – that they wanted to hire a president of baseball operations to come in and oversee her. What that is is a demotion. That's a demotion. Because it doesn't matter if she still has the title of general manager. What matters is what her responsibilities are. Your job is what your responsibilities are. And Kimming has had final baseball decision-making power in Miami. And if they bring in somebody to put above her and they give that person, presumably a man, but I guess we don't know that for sure. Uh, And again, I don't think that's that much part of a story. I probably even shouldn't have said that. Uh, That's a demotion for her, even if she has the same title. And this is embarrassing for the Miami Marlins. This is incredibly embarrassing for the Miami Marlins to do this. Uh, Ng spoke with The Athletic. She said... That uh, after talking with Marlins owner Bruce Sherman, that uh, it was clear that there was um, that the two sides were not completely aligned. Her quote to the Athletic is: uh, "Last week, Bruce and I discussed his plan to reshape the baseball operations department. In our discussions, it became apparent that we were not completely aligned on what that should look like. I felt it best to step away. I wish to." express my sincere gratitude and appreciation to the Marlins family and its fans for my time in South Florida. This year was a great step forward for the organization unquote. So she's not uh, she's not trying to burn any bridges on her way out. She has every right to, she has every right to. And this is the Marlins have been a poorly run organization for a really long time whether it's going back and you know spending tons and tons and tons of money to win a World Series and then selling everything off, whether it was the weird and wacky stuff they did uh, when Derek Jeter came in, whether it was the way uh, Derek Jeter left, uh, the, the changes that they've made to the ball, just everything. Like, you look at what the Marlins have done, and I'm not sitting here in Miami. I'm in St. Louis, so I'm looking at this from afar. But it feels like they've made a couple of really good decisions. One of them was hiring Kim Ng. Another one was hiring Skip Schumacher, who obviously did a good job. Uh, they worked together. They put together some some nice moves to put together a team. I mean, you they got the most out of that roster. You look at something like um like run differential and see what they did this year. So the Marlins during the season, they had a minus fifty-seven run differential, and they were still above five hundred and still got into the playoffs. That's it. What that tells you is they get the most out of the, the assets that they have on their team. And that is that is a direct uh, reflection upon the person who put the roster together. It's a direct reflection on the person who's leading the team in in Ng and in Schumacher. They deserve a whole lot of credit for what they were able to do this year. And I, look, she could... She could very easily end up in Boston. That's the one place right now where a final uh, decision-making uh, job is available in baseball. You know, a lot of times there's—I um, think this is true in baseball. I know it's true in basketball for sure because there's rules about, you know, assistant general managers being able to go interview for general manager positions at other teams, and there will be uh, rules in place that, as opposed to what the, t- what the uh, title is— There are rules in place that say if if you're not the final decision maker and you're going to go interview for a job where you are the final decision maker, you're allowed to do so whether you're under contract or not. I'm pretty sure that will exist in the NBA. I don't think that exists in Major League Baseball, but I'm not 100% sure to be on that if I'm being totally honest with you. Um, The Marlins just need to figure out a way to get out of their own way. That's the bottom line on this. And... That division is already so tough with the Braves and the Phillies, and now the Mets are bringing in a legitimate uh, baseball decision-maker in David Stearns, and they're going to continue to spend the kind of money that they have spent recently, but now they're going to have somebody making those decisions who knows exactly what he's doing. That's a really tough division, and if you're the Marlins and you've made the decision to move on from somebody who has proven that they can get the most out of not the least, but it's not the most out of the most, that's for sure they're they're never going to be spending more money than everybody else and she made some decisions that's going to set that team up moving forward but the Marlins have taken a big step back and the one other thing i would say and I, I i'm i pause and i mentioned this at the top of the program i want to be careful in what i say here because maybe i'm making a little bit of a leap here and i don't want to don't want to alarm anybody don't want to put up red flags but it's it's very clear here that The Marlins are not willing to do what they need to do to win at the highest level, that they don't have people making good decisions. And where that can impact the Cardinals is the spring training facility in Jupiter. Cardinals and Marlins share a facility. And if you remember, when spring training got done this past year, we were essentially told that once everything cleared out, they were going to be breaking ground, and they were going to be you know, tearing down buildings and redoing the facility. Well, from what I understand, that has not happened yet. and Sounds like it is likely not to happen until after spring training this upcoming season. Basically, the Cardinals and Marlins have to work on that together, and it does scare me a little bit when the Cardinals are basically in bed with an organization like the Marlins, who clearly don't care about doing things the right way. And I that's that's the only kind of cardinals tie to this other than the fact that a lot of cardinals fans kind of root for the Marlins because of skip Schumacher and John jay and, and people like that and and rightfully so but that's the that's the entanglement here that the Cardinals have with the Marlins is getting the spring training facility done correctly and making sure that they're able to move forward with that as soon as possible while dealing with the Marlins organization that just every decision they make scares me because I don't think they know how to make correct decisions. If they just kind of followed the lead of other organizations that were somewhat successful, they'd be a whole lot. What what other organization would not have a full season playoff appearance in umpteen years, and then that happens, and they go, you know what? We want to keep our general manager in place, but we don't want her to have the same responsibilities anymore. We want to find somebody new for that. I just don't like it. Don't like it at all. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one of the program. Again, the Texas Rangers have a 2-0 series lead on the Houston Astros with the ALCS going back to Arlington or going to Arlington for a first time. Uh, We'll kind of break down what that means. It means the Rangers are in a really good spot, but we'll talk about it a bit more coming up in just a moment or so. It's Graybar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pawley. This is KMOX.
0: News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals.
2: Rolling on with a Graybar Sports open line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air, seven o'clock hour, jam. Packed. Patrick Creighton, who um, I've known Patrick for a really long time. He he's a uh, evening host on uh, ESPN Houston. He's a big Astros guy. In addition to being a host, he is a huge Astros fan, and he is a passionate dude. I'm trying to like maneuver my way through right now just the tone of our conversation. Because I don't know how well he's doing at the moment with the Astros being down 2-0. I don't feel bad for him. I can I can rib him a little bit, but I don't want to I don't want to hurt him. Uh, so um, so yeah, we'll talk with uh, we'll we'll get his thoughts on the Houston Astros uh, at about 7:20, and then our guy Scott Warman. Uh, a junk adjunct faculty here at KMOX, as I like to refer to him as. Also, uh, you see him on uh, Valley Sports. You see him doing Valley games. He's gonna join us at uh, seven thirty-five, and we got a lot of things to uh, get to with him. Uh, just good for the Rangers. Like, give credit where credit is due. The Rangers. Good, they go into Houston and they take a two-zero series lead. And the other thing about this is, um. The, there was a lot of drama right at the end of the regular season when it came to the Rangers and the Astros because the Rangers were in the driver's seat to win the AL West and get that first-round bye, and then they ended up losing on the final day after they had a, a celebration uh, for clinching the playoffs and they were saying it wasn't that much of a celebration and some video came out and people, ah, it was a little more than just a little bit of a celebration. It just, it was one of those, I was talking the other day, I don't know if you heard me, but I was talking about, you know, sometimes you have these, like, stupid, petty arguments with your significant other. Like, that that was what it was. In, in the world of sports, when we're doing sports radio, unfortunately, we spend a lot of time getting involved in just stupid arguments, and it was a stupid argument about just how... Um, just how much the Rangers celebrated and whether or not that hurt them on the final day. And now what do you know? And a lot of that criticism was coming from Houston. And now the Rangers and the Astros are playing against each other. And the Rangers have a 2-0 series lead with the series going back to Arlington. There's just there's a lot of stuff going on. So give the Rangers credit. They hold on today. They were up 5-1. The Astros slowly got back into it, but the Rangers hold on for a 5-4 win. A lot uh, more on that coming up during the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. This is a Graybar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Polly on KMOX.